opportunity to uh, always a big question mark as to how Pastor Kenny could trust me in order to do something like this, but I thank you very much. Um, if you would, you can go ahead and turn to Daniel chapter uh, 1. That's where we'll be today. As you guys are turning there, I was thinking on my way over here um, about Daniel and what is so fascinating really about uh, the prophet and what he did through his whole life. We know that he lived about 90 years um, is what they what they say, approximately 90 years. Uh, but what we know about Daniel is we know of Daniel in the lion's den. Our children know the stories. Uh, we know about Daniel and his friends and, you know, how they took a stand. You know, we know about, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We know about them going into the fiery furnace. We know about the miracles uh, that took place, how God showed himself uh, in this book you know, through the prophet Daniel. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, in my life, I think about, you know, early on, uh, Daniel, when he was first taken into captivity by the Babylonians, when they come in, he was about 15 years old. So think about that in your life. I mean, I didn't really get saved in my life and start walking with Christ until I was uh, probably around 21. And uh, in 1996, uh, early on, I got saved and and, and there was a change and there was a difference, you know. And I look at Daniel at 15 years old and the, the things that he was able to accomplish. You know, an outside force comes in to your land of Judah where you were born and raised and comes in and you're besieged because God allows these people to come in and take you over as a consequence, you know, to the sin and the, the lack of turning as we know as Isaiah prophesied and Ezekiel prophesied, Jeremiah prophesied. Uh, and then leading into Daniel for the people to churn and repent. And, of course, they didn't. So a consequence had to come. And, and we see that. And I think about how that hit Daniel at 15 years old. There he is, taken. And taken into a land. He did have some friends, but he was, he was basically alone. You know, where's his parents? You know, where are those closest to him that have been caring for him up to this point? You know, I know things has changed a lot in our lives. And, you know, I think about what I was doing at 15 years old in comparison to where Daniel was at. And, and I was immature. I was young. And if something like this had happened to me, where, where would I have went? What would I do? And that's what truly makes the book of Daniel so good is because that's when God comes in. You know, that's when God comes on the scene. And we don't have to worry about those things because God comes in and he's sovereign over the affairs of his people. And even though scripture tells us that he allowed these people to come in and to conquer his chosen people, to, to come in and to take them into captivity, God still allowed that and he was in control of those things. And that's what we're going to see early on in Daniel's life, even at 15 years old. He was not the powerful prophet of God at that point. He was a young child, a, a young boy trying to figure out where am I going from here and what am I going to do? You know, and that's the side of what we're going to look at today. We know that Daniel didn't go to the lion's den until he was around 80 years old. A whole lot later in life. So a, thought, a whole lot of things happened up to that point before he went to the lion's den. And we know that where the, you know, those stories start and those things began to happen. A, a lot of time had elapsed. So who was Daniel? Who was he in comparison to you as you sit here today? 
Those are the things that we have to ask ourselves. Where was he in his Christian walk? You know, we did uh, a few years back, two or three years ago, we did the, the studies on, you know, discipleship and coming to be a Christian and what stage are you in? So, you know, there might be people here in this building today that are at the stage that Daniel was at 15 because his parents raised him to know God to that point. And he knew when he was alone and he was isolated and he was scared where to turn. You know, so maybe some of us are at that point. Maybe some of us are still in the infant stage and maybe some of us has moved on and we're into the mature stage or we're taking people in and putting them under our wing. But that's where I want us to look at today is where are we in comparison to where Daniel was and that thought process early on when he was taken. So before we get started here, we'll look at a little bit of the background uh, of Daniel. And there's a few things we need to know about him before we get started. The book of Daniel covers about 70 years of captivity. He was under Babylonian rule. And that goes from about 605 B.C. to about 536 B.C. God also used Daniel during this time as the mouthpiece to declare his present plans and the future plans uh, for his people and for the world, the things that was going to take place in the times to come. The book of Daniel is vital to the Old Testament, just like Revelation is to the New Testament. How many people are surprised when they go to a church and they hear Old Testament being preached and being taught? Do you know that Old Testament is necessary? It tells us the beginnings of things. It tells us all these things must be before this one is to come. All things point to the Messiah. And that's what we see. The Messiah is coming. And we know that Daniel is one of the mouthpieces that gets us to that point to where we see and we know by prophecy being fulfilled by the mighty prophet Daniel. In the end, uh, he's prophesying of the one to come and the things that are going to be. Some skeptics, they doubt, uh, they cast doubt on Daniel's authorship of the book. Uh, but however, Jesus put that to rest in Matthew in chapter 24 and 15 and 16 when he declared himself that uh, Daniel is the writer of the book. And he stated, when you see the abomination of desolation, which is spoken of by the prophet Daniel, exclamation point, it's over, it's done. Jesus said that Daniel was the writer of the book, and that's what we see. The book also begins in 605 B.C. and continues until about 538 B.C. when the Medo-Persians came on the scene and conquered Babylon along with the Jews uh, with it. So when the Babylonians came in and conquered Judah, it was about it was in three different waves. So the first wave when they came in uh, is when Daniel was taken. And then just a few years later, the second wave came in and then more uh, people was extracted and put in exile into uh, Babylon. And then about 10 years later, another wave come through and the same thing happened. So what's interesting about that is Daniel being taken in the first wave, we can see even then that God was already starting to work. Before Daniel even knew it, God was preparing him and placing him into a place of leadership putting him into a place where he could come and set up. He's going to teach him. He's going to learn him the things of the Babylonians and of this culture and of these things. Going to set him apart and put him on high so when these people come in, he can take them in and make them feel at ease and teach them the things that the king wanted to be taught. But all along, it's God's ways and God's purposes and God's things. He just used the Babylonian king in order to accomplish uh, those things to be, t- to be done. 
So it is important for us to understand that God didn't just get emotional one day and bring judgment to his people when he allowed the Babylonians to come in. He did uh, use Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and other prophets to come in and to, and to speak and, and, and to prophesy about things that was going to come if they didn't repent. So he gave them that opportunity because they was engaging in pagan practices and you know, uh, non-repentant attitudes and doing those things that we, we know is always done and what we still uh, often do today. So before we get into chapter 1, just calm your minds before the Lord. Let's offer for Him to come and to join us tonight. Meditate on Him. Confess sin that we have. Let that come to mind. Anything that we need to get out of the way so we can truly let God come in and move in our lives. I don't want to be the one to hinder us this evening. You know, it is truly important that when we come to God's house, that we come prepared. You know, that we we offer to God our best when we come here because we want to see Him. And we want to understand what He has for us and what He uh, what he has to say to us. So as we do that, let's just go ahead and pray. Father God, we do thank you for this opportunity, O oh Lord, to come into this place, uh, to gather together, O oh Lord, as, as a church family, as a fellowship, God, that is united uh, in you. God, just as Daniel learned at an early age, Lord, that um, you are sovereign over all things, Lord, and all things work together for your kingdom purpose and the kingdom plan. God, you so often give us opportunities, O oh Lord, to do your work and to do your bidding, God, and we're just thankful for that. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us to see any unconfessed sin that we may have before we open up your word, Lord, that we would prepare our hearts and our minds, God, to to truly be able to uh, hear your word and interpret it the way that the Holy Spirit leads. And, and God, it would truly change us and help us to see you better and help us to understand how we can serve you better, Lord. God, we are nothing without you, God, and we ask that your spirit come into this place and that it would convict hearts And open up our minds and ears, Lord, to your word that we will hear very clearly, very distinctly, God, what you have to say tonight. And God, we thank you for those things and we pray tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we get to chapter 1, we'll be going through the whole chapter. So I will go ahead and and read that quickly. So starting in verse 1. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. Who did it say give him? The Lord gave the king of Judah into his hand, Nebuchadnezzar's hand. With some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, which is Babylon, into the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. 
Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand and had the ability to serve in the king's palace with whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time that they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and to them the chief of the eunuchs gave names and he gave Daniel the name Belshazzar and he and Hananiah Shadrach to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azira Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank before he requested of the chief and to the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear the Lord, the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should I see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger, then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward of whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who can eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them for ten days. And at the end of the ten days, the features appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away the portion of the delicacies and the wine and they were and the drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding and visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days when the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them, and among them all none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king and in all matters of wisdom and understanding about the king. And he examined them, and he found them ten times better than all of the magicians and the astrologers who were in all of his realm. Thus Daniel continued to the first year of King Cyrus. So as we see in chapter 1, we see the people. It was in the third reign of King Jehoiakim, and he was ruler over all of, all of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar was this person that was allowed to come in. He was king of Babylon, and he came in and he seized, besieged Judah. And in verse 2, who does it say that he gave them over? Who gave them over to Babylon, does Scripture say? The Lord did. You know, how many times in our lives does God give us over to things to try and get our attention? You know, I've heard a lot of people say on many, many different occasions that why does God let bad things happen to good people? In most cases, I mean, it's, it's just what it takes in order to get our attention. I, I don't know why that is, but I know in the flesh that if God did not chastise me at times and put trials and certain situations in my lives and, and some bad circumstances, chances are I would not do what he wanted me to do. I would always do what Dave Atwell wanted to do. 
So it's unfortunate that that's the way that it's got to be. But God wants all good things for his people. And where we don't choose those good things by serving him the way that he would have us to do, then bad things come in to make us turn to him. So we will listen at times, as bad as that is. But God allowed this to happen. It wasn't because what a lot of the pagan people may say, well, you're not living right, or somebody in your family has sin, and all those kinds of things. Most of the time, that's what it ends up being. You know, and that is the theme of the book that we're looking at tonight. God's sovereign control over all affairs. He's over all rulers and nations. That is until the true king is seated on the throne in fullness and power. And that person that's going to sit on that throne is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And his name is Jesus Christ. So until that time comes, that's what we're going to keep looking for. I think about the turmoil in our nation today and where our leaders are at and our elected officials are at. They can't agree on what type of toilet paper to put in the bathrooms, much less anything else that is of of national concern. You know what I mean? And what a sad place to be in. But we know that God says that he seats those people upon their thrones to accomplish his will and his purposes. How many of you sit home and watch the news of the evenings and just wag your head and you get pits and stomach churning because of what you see on TV. Be honest. I know I do. Michelle gets mad at me. She says I watch news way too much. But I'm, t- I'm getting to the point to where it's real funny because what I see in all the garbage that's taking place in the world is I'm not part of that garbage. I am set apart. I'm of a heavenly kingdom. I'm not of an earthly kingdom. And God tells me that as Pastor Kenny said, I don't have to worry about tomorrow because I know who holds tomorrow. So with all of that said, as I watch the news each day and I worry about these people that are appointed and sitting on these thrones and in all power in their minds, they're pawns. Because the God that I serve is the ultimate power and he is sovereign over all things and he's working his plan out for the goodness of his people. And guess what? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, you're his people. So we don't have to worry about those things. If we look in Daniel 2 and 44, it says, In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never, ever, ever, let me say never, ever, ever be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all of these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. That is the kingdom that we are a part of. That is a heavenly kingdom going to be established with Christ seated upon the throne. That is good stuff right there. We don't have to worry about it. As we look here now, we'll jump ahead and we'll look at verses 3 and 4. And we see God's provision for Daniel start to happen here. So verse 3, then the king instructed Asphenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of his children of Israel and some of the king's descendants, some of the nobles, the young men in whom there was no blemish. Good looking. Tom probably wanted you if you'd have been there. Good looking man. Gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand who had ability to serve in the king's palace of whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Ashvin, as the master of the units, is instructed to bring those people there, which were the king's descendants for training. 
So as we're looking at that, we see they had no bodily blemish, no handicap, handsome, mentally sharp, socially poised, polished, only the best and the brightest could be considered for this position because he's going to be in the palace with the king. These people are going to be rubbing shoulders with the leader of the, the uh, country that came in and took them over, that, that Babylonian empire. So can we see God's provision and how he was in control through all this? We absolutely can. He's bringing Daniel in to the best, giving him the best, and, and, and setting him up to be able to do uh, the will that the Father has for him. We know that the training would last for about three years, and they would learn the ways of the Babylonians. They would learn their language, their culture of their suppressors, and they would prepare to serve in the palace. As we look at verse 5, we see that while training, they would want for nothing. They would basically be eating from the king's table. They would have the finest foods and they would have the finest wines that, that the king had to offer as what he was giving them. So let me get this straight. Somebody comes in and they take me over and I'm now in captive and I'm basically a slave. But yet I'm getting taken to the king's palace. I'm getting put up on a pedestal. I'm in, I'm in the air conditioning. I'm in the heat. I've got food coming in. I've got, I've got all these fine drinks coming in. Is that normal? I don't think so. I wouldn't think it would be. In most cases that we see in past history, that is not normal. But we see that God is sovereign and he's taking care of his children. Do you know God is sovereign and he will take care of you? No matter your situation. Kenny talked about this morning, talking about people with financial trouble. Talking about people with marital problems. Talking about people with their children is running wild and I I can't get them in church. I can't get them to do these things. God is bigger than those things. His only requirement is is that we as individuals bow on our knees and pray to him to make it all better. Because no matter how you stress and how you worry, do you have any control over that decision that's going to be made tomorrow? Absolutely not. The only one with control over that is God. And that's where we must look as we start to go through these things. The training and good treatment, though, it did not come without a price. So think about this. All the good food, all the good wine, and all these things being brought in, those were good things and pleasurable things for the Babylonian people. But for God's people, guess what? That was stuff that pagans did. And it was against God's rules for his people to partake in a lot of that stuff. So although some of the people that was taken in with Daniel and, and with his friends, they decided, that's all right, I'm in a bad spot, I'm in a bad place, I'm going to go ahead and partake because I'm just in a bad situation. I'm just happy to have some food and some drink and to be taken care of in the situation that I'm in. But Daniel kind of looked at that a little bit different. And he's like, hey, that's not for me because God says so. How many of us are willing to make those hard decisions that even though these good things come, that the world calls good and lays them in our lap, and a lot of people's going to be satisfied with it, but it's contrary to God's word. How many of us are willing to say, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. 
You can take that million dollars back or whatever. You can take that new car back or you can take that job back or you, you, you can have those things because I don't think that's of the Lord and I don't think that's something that he would be happy for me to do and to partake of and to have. It would probably be easier for us to say that than it was for Daniel in his circumstances. He's 15 years old, for goodness Daddy ain't no. He's there fending for himself. He don't know what tomorrow holds. Really, on a life and death scale, he don't know what tomorrow holds. But he still made that decision to say, I'm going to take a stand here because I don't think this would be pleasing to my God. So we see that as the the training and the good treatment, it did come with a price. As we see in verse 7, a key factor to a lot of the brainwashing session and the things that was taking place there, that these guys didn't stop with the food and it didn't stop with the drink because the next thing they wanted to do, they wanted to change their names. Now, why is that important that they bring them in and they want to change their names? Daniel, they changed to Belshazzar, Hananiah to Shadrach, Michelle to Meshach, Azariah to Abednego. Why was the name change so important? You know what Daniel meant? Daniel meant God is my judge. They changed his name to Belshazzar. You know what that meant? Bel, protect the king. Oh, we got some other gods starting to come onto the scene here. We got some other things incorporating its way in. We got pagan food, pagan drink, and now we're going to change the name to support pagan gods. Hananiah meant the Lord is gracious. Shadrach meant command of a coup. A coup is a Babylonian god. Michelle meant who is like the Lord. Meshach meant who is what a coup is. Quite a bit of difference, isn't it? Azariah meant the Lord is my helper. Abednego meant servant of Nego, which was a god of vegetation. So how easy would it have been just to have taken the names and the circumstances and say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of duck under the radar right now. I'm protected. I'm doing pretty good given the circumstances of my situation of just being taken into captivity and put into slavery. I'm not doing too bad. I'm just going to go with the flow here. I'm good with it. How many of us would have taken the easy road? Most of the people that was taken in with these guys, they did. So leading into verse 8, we see that God granted Daniel wisdom. So although he was being provided for, probably like he never had been before, he had to make a choice. What do we do when that choice comes, guys? Do we join into the conversation that God's not pleased with? Do we join into the actions that God's not pleased with? All the group of guys is heading down to the casino. Are we going to go with them? Just hang out? Put a few coins in there? No big deal. Or are we going to go down to the strip club with them? Because ah, I'm going to go down there and just you know talk to these guys a little bit and share Jesus with them. What is their decisions going to be? What are we going to do? What are our choices going to do? Are they going to bring God glory Or are they going to bring our walk with him shame? That's the question. And I'm telling you, I think about these in my life even now and how I struggle at times to make the right decision. 
And I know Daniel didn't make all the right decisions. I know he had some ups and he had some downs. But for the most part, even as a young boy, he got right. Because he, he had a relationship with God to the point that he knew him. He knew him. So leading into verse 8, we see that God granted that wisdom. And although he was being provided for, there was a choice to make. Scripture says that Daniel purposed in his heart. He did what? He purposed in his heart that I will not. Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence. And from it flow like springs of life. And that's what Daniel did. Is that what we will do? Daniel had that choice to make. Do I surrender to my circumstances and justify it by saying this is just the position that God put me in? Or do I honor God and not defile myself and my God even when I know what may happen to me? We are not in a life and death situation, praise the Lord, in our lives. Never have been. The way persecution is going with Christians, we very well may be in a few years if the Lord tarries and does not come back for his church. When those hard times come and those hard decisions have to be made, what are we going to do? He was thinking, he could have been thinking, I'm just a slave, but I'm being treated like royalty. All I have to do is denounce God and I'll be taken care of. Or do I just jeopardize everything and stand for God? What do I do? So we must ask ourselves that same question when it comes to serving God. I know this is hard stuff, man. It's not stuff that we like to talk about. But it's things that we need to talk about. Daniel took a stand and said, I will not defile myself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with wine which he drank. Then he requested that the chief appointed over him that he may not partake and defile himself before his God. Now we know that God had already came in and he give, he give Daniel favor with this, this chief that was over him, didn't he? So once again, we see Daniel made a hard decision, but we see that God also provided that when he made that right decision, that he rewarded him openly with protection, didn't he? Daniel used the favor that was given to him with the chief, and he used it to his benefit. Remember, God will always provide that way out if we look for it. It may look bleak, but in faith, he will provide Never forget that. Daniel knew that the food and the drink being supplied was devoted to idols. To divulge in these would be honoring to these deities, and he did not want a part of it. How many things do we encounter in our lives and take partake in that's viewed the same way by God? The things the world puts emphasis on are the things that uh, that are not of God. And there is a decision to be made there. As we look at verses 9 and 10... The chief, after Daniel requested these things, we see that he was worried for his life. And he said that now God had brought Daniel to the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said, Daniel, I fear the Lord, uh, uh, I fear the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse? He's saying, man, I don't know about this. I, I want to do this for you, but I am scared. So Daniel understood what he was saying, and he put the chief at ease, and he said, Test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables, basically, and give us water for ten days, and then come back and look at us in comparison to the others that are partaking 
of the pagan food or of the food of the king's table. And what do we know happened after that? God honored Daniel and the others' trust and allegiance by sovereignly working favorably uh, in, in them among the heathen leaders. We also know that later on in Daniel's life, God permitted opposition to Daniel, and he didn't know if God had abandoned him. But Daniel walked blindly in faith and in trust, uh, even in that time. And God showed Daniel favor then, as well as lifting him up and elevating Daniel before men. The decisions that Daniel was making was pretty critical decisions that could have not ended very well for him. But with those decisions that was made, what do we see God doing? We see God growing Daniel. We see God preparing and giving him favor with these people in these areas all the way up to the king of taking care of him that he may be elevated that he may be lifted up. The more that he relied on God, the more God give him as he was growing in his relationship with God. Isn't it funny how that works? But guess what? If Daniel had just sifted back into the crowd and not taken that step of faith forward, who would we be reading about today? Would it be you? Maybe me? I I don't know. I don't know. Will stories like that ever be written about us? I don't know. I know God records things, and maybe we'll hear about it one day. But he gives us examples in his word of people to follow. We see people that that rode God all the way to the grave as they give up life, earthly life. And they give up their lives as martyrs because they believed and because they trusted. That is the type of faith that grows a church. That's the type of faith that grows a community. That's the type of faith that changes the landscape of what church is like and is considered. God honors those who honor him as we see in 1 Samuel 2 and 30. Do you honor him? Do you honor him with your daily actions as Daniel did? Daniel was in the life and death situation. I couldn't imagine being put there. But he still did, even at a young age, what God would have him to do. And he made those hard decisions. At times, honoring God comes easy. And it has for us, pretty much. We haven't been in this dire of a situation. But we do walk blindly in obedience at times, even in those small things. So we can grow in that. So when the big things come, we will be able to handle them. We trust God has our backs as we walk forward with childlike faith, just trusting in Him and being obedient to the things that He has for us as we try and accomplish in obedience to Him. Listen to this story here. During the U.S. Civil War, Abraham Lincoln met with a group of ministers at a prayer breakfast. Lincoln was not considered to be a churchgoer, but was a man of deep if at times unorthodox faith. At one point, one of the ministers said, Mr. President, let us pray that God is on our side. And Lincoln's response showed far greater insight. And he said, no, gentlemen, let us pray that we are on God's side. That is exactly what Daniel did. No, he knew the decision that he was going to make. I'm going to land on God's side. Well, how does that speak to us? We know the end story that Daniel didn't have then. We see the end of the book, y'all. There is going to be a winning team and there's going to be a losing team. I like to win. 
I don't know about y'all, but in this situation, I'm going to be competitive. Hey, Stanley, I want to be on the winning team. What about you, buddy? And that's kind of what Lincoln reminded those ministers that religion is not a tool by which we get God to do what we want, but an invitation to open up ourselves to being and doing what God wants us to be, right? That's the same thing as Kenny talked, Pastor Kenny talked about this morning as God being your co-pilot. I thought that was so funny. He doesn't want to be your co-pilot. He wants to be the pilot. And guess what? If he's going to be the pilot, then you have to yield. We have to humble ourselves and get down and say, hey, I don't have it all figured out, but God, I know you do, and that's okay with me. And that's what it takes. The king wants your life. We must yield. He must increase. And that means we must decrease, right? You know, we look at Daniel being 15 years old here. Where in the world did such faith come from at such a young age? Wisdom and a heart to know God. Where did that come from? Daniel came from a princely lineage. We know that his dad was David's son. I think it was his uh, second or third marriage, you know, and, and he was the, the second born out of that. And he, we know that he came from good stock and he had a solid example of godly living set before him. So with that said, how many of you tonight have influence over a young child in your life? How important is it for you to take that so seriously? And make sure that we're getting as much of God in them as we can at that impressionable age. Maybe our child might be the one at 15 years old that has to go out on their own and make some pretty hard decisions in life. Wouldn't it be nice for them to be able to know and understand that even though earthly mom and dad is not there, the heavenly father is. Amen. Are we taking time to walk in obedience of being that godly example for our children? By the time our children are 15, will they have the knowledge to stand on their own and know who holds tomorrow? I often think about young people today. Look at Daniel, 15 years old. Our best generation in this nation was our World War II generation, in my opinion. 15, 16 years old, what were they doing? They was lining up at the blocks and signing the dotted line saying, send me to fight for my country. Now we got 18 to 21-year-olds in our colleges that are coming in having to have a safe room and having to have flipping counselors come in and talk to them because somebody said something that offended them. And most of the time, it's about Jesus. That's how times have changed, and that is now the world that we live in. If we are not teaching our children something different... That is what the institutions of higher learning is teaching our children to be. There's a big difference in, in the type of people and the contrast of what we're looking at here. As parents, we must be instilling God into them and honoring God at all costs. Helping them to see a sovereign God who reigns, who's in control, who loves them more than anything else or anybody else in the world. Nobody loves like God loves. And guess what? I don't care how old you are. He loves you the same way. 
All things are providentially working towards God's sure purpose and that his kings will be seated upon the throne and Jesus Christ will be exalted. Everything that happens here is allowed by God and working towards that one goal and that is the Messiah's future return for his people, his church, his bride. Each one of you that is in this room tonight and know Jesus Christ as Savior, that's who he's coming for. Praise the Lord. We all know biblical stories of Daniel and the lion's den. We know of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. But we can't miss the little steps of faith faith that was accomplished in the early lives of these people. Because guess what? They were people just like we are sitting here in these seats and in these pews. They have the same stresses. They have the same worries. They have the same anxieties. And just like we talked about in Sunday school this morning, people are still people just trying to do their best, falling to the same old sin that Satan keeps whispering in their ears from the the creation of time until now. It's the same old sin and it's the same failure. And that's what we're seeing. But our choice is, is where it started not to defile themselves before God and to eat as the pagans did. Verses 12, Daniel said to test your servants for 10 days and let our appearance be examined in comparison to the young men choosing to eat of the king's food. Then as you see fit, deal with us. And the chief did just that. Daniel said in verse 12, your servants, meaning him and his three friends, they took a stand. Who were the others that chose to eat? And what was going to be, uh, who was he going to be judged against? Chances are that was his own countrymen. We must make a choice in life of whom we're going to serve. Are we going to be content with cutting corners and looking more like the world? Or do we want to stand out as Christians and be in that example of Christ as he is to us? How can we be ready for big challenges in life when we won't succeed in the little things? How many of us are plagued by the same sin? The same little thing that just ensnares you, that just grabs you. And about every six weeks or so, here it comes. Well, guess what? It gets to a point where it's just the same old walk. It's the same old stepping up to the door, and it's the same old knock. And we keep opening the daggum door, don't we? It's crazy. But that's how it comes in. We can't succeed in the little things so we can be prepared for the big things that God has for us. Daniel said, hey... Don't give me that filet mignon. God wouldn't be pleased with that. Although I'm hungry and I'm in, I'm in captivity and I'm away from everybody, you keep that steak and you just bring me some of that old leafy stuff in here and I'll be just fine. Oh, no, I don't want none of that wine. It kind of tastes a little bit good and a little bit sweet. You just bring me some water. That's going to be good. The little decisions, the little things, if we can't do well in those, how in the world are we going to do well in the big thing? And what happened? God honored his servants because they honored him. Verse 15 tells us that that day, 10 days, Daniel and his buddies appeared better and fatter in the flesh than all the other young men. And so from that point on, uh, they fasted to, uh, to honor God by eating only vegetables and drinking water. So what happened as a result of their faithfulness do we see in verse 17? We see that God blessed them openly, didn't he? 
As for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding. Not only did Daniel have this other stuff that all them other guys got, but he had understanding and visions and dreams. So he gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel, on top of the other ones, was given the, the extra gift. But it didn't stop there. Verse 18 says that at the end of the days, which refers to the end of the three-year period of their training, the chief brought those young people, and they were collected, and they were brought in and set before the king. And out of all of those young men that were set before the king, the king personally interviewed all of them. And of all the people, and I don't know how many people they were, I'm assuming there was many, out of all the people, Scripture says that none was found like who? Like Daniel, Cananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And you know what happened at that point? God's sovereignty. Because he's in control of the rulers and of the affairs and of all these things. And what did he do? They brought them in and they were set to serve before the king. Verse 20 says that in all matters the king examined them in wisdom and understanding. And the king found them to be ten times, ten times better than all of the magicians and astrologers in the kingdom that he had. His core people up to that point, ten times better. And Daniel continued in that position until the very end of his reign of the Babylonian Empire. So what was special about Daniel and his friends? They're people. What about Paul? What about Moses when he was chosen? I mean, we can go on and on and on. These people are regular people. They just like me and you. But you know what? God knew he could use them because they had a dependency. They had a dependency on God. He knew they'd trust him. They were raised to know God, to fear God above all other things, most importantly, to serve him. That's why it's important that we do the same for our children. Do we do these things? Are we passing them on to those that come after us? Daniel and his friends were those ordinary people in a terrible situation with life-threatening circumstances. When faced with this, they trusted God and acted in obedience to walk in faith. Who does Scripture say gave these men the things necessary in order to, to excel in that time? Was it because of their cunning and uh, their, their own personal knowledge and wisdom and their good looks and, and all that kind of stuff? Absolutely not. It was the gifts that God gave them. It was them choosing to walk in faith and God honoring that faith. The same thing that these guys had, you have. The same God that blessed them openly and showed them favor and gave them those things and anointed their steps is the same God that we serve today. And guess what? He wants to do the same thing for you because he has that certain something and that certain somebody that he needs you to go with and to talk to and to share the gospel and to do some things and to show them Jesus and to live Jesus that your actions would show whom you serve this day. So just like Daniel, we have a choice to make. 
So we trust whom we say we serve and we will walk to the best of our ability in blind faith seeking him or we will fall to the way of the world putting an emphasis on temporal things. I don't know about you guys, but this word is true. This word is real. God is still working. He has commissioned his church which is you and me, the people, to do a work for the kingdom. And on a daily basis, as Pastor Kenny said this morning, we're not going to worry about tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation when it comes to the people that we deal with and we come in contact with. It is our obligation to share that gospel message with them and to plant those seeds. We can't save nobody. But we can do the work that God sets before us as Daniel did so well. It takes making hard decisions sometimes. But it can be done. We've got example after example after example. So that's what God is speaking to us today. He wants us to be our best for him because he gave his best for us. Amen? Amen. All right. I appreciate everybody being here. and.